Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. seat guys good morning thank you worship team that was a fantastic worship this morning good presence of the lord such a gentle presence of the lord this morning hey beautiful when god does intimate things moments of intimacy so impact the teens are leaving us this morning if you're a teen and you're here you're welcome to join um they are going out and they're going to have some good time together good men I want to talk about the road to multiplication. You know, a devil shared something this morning. He was saying feasting. You know, he spoke about that kind of illustration of Peter Pan and Never Never Land and like believing even though you don't see. Uh, interesting, the word feast, because that's the word he used, is used 337 times in the Bible. The word hell is used 50 times. I checked that out because I was, I was wanting to know what God's... Um, you know, I think something about eternity is, needs to come to life, and I, I wanted to, I'm doing a bit of a study about, um, about hell and, you know, an eternity away from God. But the good thing is, God's promises of time with Him and, and eternity with Him are more in the Bible. Heaven's almost mentioned on every page in the Bible, something about God's eternal reward. Uh, hell's m- mentioned 50 times, but that feast word, 337 times. And God wants us to join with him in feasting. And I know for many of us, there's been a time of famine, like spiritual famine sometimes. Like, you know, you just feel like, man, I'm sick of chewing on the bones. I want some meat, you know? Anybody feel like you get the scraps sometimes, that which is left over after everybody else has enjoyed Jesus? Like, you feel like, you feel like an orphan. You feel like you're the last one on the list of blessing. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, we do from time to time. You feel like, you feel like you're God's least favorite. Sometimes you're like, you're God's, ma- I, I mean, I believe that I'm God's absolute favorite, right? And then sometimes the, the reality makes me think that I, my experience is that I'm not God's favorite. You ever feel like that? It's like, God, it's my birthday and you've forgotten me. It kind of feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? I feel that God wants something more for us. Eh? Uh, I remember the story of a, a young guy coming to the pastor, and he was getting on in, a little bit in age, but I say young guy, he was a young single guy, and he, he was kind of unmarried, and the pastor said to him, are you ever going to get married? He said, yeah, I hope so. He says, haven't you ever found somebody that, you know, he says, pastor, I've fallen in love many times. He says, really? He says, and, and what happened? He says, well, I, I, I took them home and introduced them to the family, and my mom didn't like them. He says, your mom didn't like them. So he gets this word of wisdom. He says, hey, young man, you've got to ask your mom maybe to find you somebody that's acceptable to her, maybe, you know. So uh, he says, oh, okay, let's give that a try. About a year later, phones up the pastor, says, I need to come and see you. So he sits down with the pastor, counseling time. He says, well, young man, last year, this time, we had this conversation. And how's the dating scene going? He says, no, no, it's not, it's not going very well at all. He said, what do you mean? Haven't you found anybody? Didn't you, your mother find you somebody? He says, yeah, my, my mother found me somebody who's exactly like her. And, um, and said, so what? He says, I liked her. And? 
So, well, I took her home, introduced her to my dad, and he hated her. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah 51, listen to me, all who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. It says this, look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham and Sarah who gave you birth. Wow. When I called him, Abraham, when I called him, he was one man. And I blessed him and made him many. Guys, look to that example. Who are you? I'm just one, Jesus. I'm just one person. I'm just one. I think sometimes, I like, I like reading about science. I'm reading a book. It's taking me a while. Micho Kaku, he's, a, he's a, a theoretical physicist, brilliant mind. But when you look at the universe and what God has created in the universe, and there's just, you, somewhere in the universe, there's you. Just you. Like David had that same problem in Psalm chapter 80, he says, God, when I look at the universe, when I look at the stars in the sky and I look at everything that you've created, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man that you think of him, that you even consider him? He says, well, you made him the ruler of all the works of your hands. You know, when we look at ourselves in the scale of the universe, it's just, God, I'm just one. Well, friends, with God, one is a majority. With God, one, one is a majority, and, and, and God says, look to Abraham. You think you're small. You think you're insignificant. You think that you've failed. You think that you've missed the mark. You think that you're disappointed. Or Hey, listen, yes, and what? And then there was Abraham. Look at that guy. His life was a life of disappointment. But he believed God, and when God spoke to him, he was one. And God said, I will make you many. And he lived in constant disappointment for many, many years. Do you know that? Many years. At the age of 100, Abraham was still solo in his promise with him and his wife, and that was it. We'll get to that in a minute. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to 24. We won't be very long today because I think you've got what God wanted to say actually just by the ministry this morning and the, the scriptures that were shared and just there was so much, it's just so loaded. I think God pretty much speaks on his own without us sometimes. Okay, I want to start at verse 13 because there's a little bit of a preamble here. If you want to see one of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible, Romans chapter 4 is, is one of these that just is so rich. Verse 13, it was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world. God said to him, you're going to inherit the world, but he was one when God found him. He was one. He was one. And God said, I will multiply you. He lived to a hundred and he hadn't been multiplied yet. And he hadn't given up hope. We'll get to that. But amazingly that he received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, him and his offspring. And it wasn't by the law. It wasn't by being a good boy. It wasn't by getting stuff right. 
but it came through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by the law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Come on. That means you could do all the religion you want to do. Faith then is, has no value and the promise is worthless. Why? Because law brings wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. So law and being all religious can get you into more trouble and can get you further from the presence of God than anything else can. It's the strangest thing. Legalism in your relationship with God takes you away from the, the covenant, takes you away from the promises of God, and puts you in a very sad and lonely space. It's a strange thing. Does that mean you should just inten intentionally be evil? No, it doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that if you live your life by observing rules, Every promise that God has made in your life is worthless because you're going to do it all by yourself. We're going to make the future happen by ourselves. Good luck with that. How's it working for you? It's not working for you. Why? Because where there's law, there's transgression, where there's transgression, there's the wrath of God. You're living under the axe all the time. There's no grace there. There's no faith there because you're the master of your own destiny. You're the master of your own relationship with God. Friends, can I tell you something? That's a futile way of living. The Jews lived the whole Old Testament like that and lived under the wrath of God. They lived under the law. Okay, anyway, verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace. In other words, we believe. It's by grace. The word grace is chorus. It's been given to you by God. It's been given to you. And may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Guarantee. I want you to underline that word. Guaranteed. It is guaranteed to you. If you live by faith, every single thing that God has said to you is guaranteed. It's not a maybe. It's not a perhaps. It's guaranteed to you. It's guaranteed. It means it's going to happen. With or without you, it's going to happen. It's guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. And here's the key. Against all hope. In other words, in a hopeless situation. Contrary to all hope. In other words, things are going badly. Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So shall your offspring. Okay. When you're in a hopeless situation, Abraham, in hope, Against all hope, in other words, there was no reason to hope. There was no tangible physical evidence of circumstances that should give him any hope. In other words, he was in the basement digging holes. Okay, he's going, it's in all possible ways, it's a hopeless situation. And so what does he do? Instead of getting hopeless, he gets hope. Against all hope, in hope he believes and so he became the father of many nations. What does that mean? <laughs> this is without weakening in his faith. 
He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Now, when the Bible says you're as good as dead, you're as dead, as good as dead, okay? It means that you are done. Abraham was sterile up to 100 years of age. At 100 years of age, you pretty much say, okay, it's done, it's dusted, I'm finished, right? He was as good as dead. And he faced that fact. I'm as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Abraham is battling. Sarah's womb at 90, she's been through menopause twice. And her womb, the Bible says, was dead. Abraham is as good as dead, but his wife's womb is dead. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had been promised. Being fully persuaded that I'm as good as dead, my wife is dead, no problem, because God's still in control. He's got this. Incredible. Every circumstance said, against all hope, this is a hopeless situation. I wonder how many times Abraham would have been to the doctor. And Sarah would have gone to the gynecologist. And they'd sit there and together he'd plan a whole bunch of things. Maybe he'd have an in vitro program for them. I'm not against any of that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm sure there would be a, a whole bunch of procedures. And every medical expert would have said, Abraham, don't bother. You can give up any time you want to. Sarah, you've tried. Well done. It's okay. You can stop now. I think like any good husband, he would have said, doctor, we'll keep practicing. Because he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He had the power to do what he had promised. I'm going to leave you with a nugget here. Do you know that um, Sarah grew pregnant, not like Mary, through immaculate conception? There is faith and there is works as well. And to believe in God means you have to take action. You know, God's not going to do it all for you. You've got to fight through. And you know, could you imagine that? Just a hundred years, I mean, somewhere you've got to say, maybe I should give up. Babes, it's okay if we give up. But Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Man, I've got goosebumps all over my body. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. You underline that scripture, verse 22. Possibly the most important spiritual scripture in your life to ever understand faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith is some kind of looking into the future in hope. We understand that. But faith here is righteousness. Faith is righteousness. What is faith? Believing that I can't, but God can. That's righteousness. <laughs> okay. 
I don't have the ability in myself to be good. Righteousness is not my ability. Righteousness is my inability, but God's ability. I thought it was good. Thank you. But honestly, that's what that scripture says. Faith, in this context, the Bible translates faith as this, and righteousness is this. It's Abraham was righteous that at the age of 100, he hadn't given up hope. That's righteous. <laughs> that's righteous. Now, a lot of people say, well, Abraham never performed any miracles. We don't know that he preached ever anything to anybody. That's true. We don't really know. We know that the Apocrypha tells us that Abraham was a preacher of righteousness and that he was a prophet. We don't know of any great sermons he preached. We don't know any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't really matter. The Bible doesn't mention any of those things because that wasn't important. You know what was important? Was Abraham was a regular Joe Soap. He was the father of faith, the father of everybody by faith. Why? Because he just had the simplicity, believe simply that I can't God, but you can. Done. Done. That means that without being super gifted, without being super anointed, You could be the most righteous person on the planet, not by anything you've done, but by the righteousness that comes by faith. That means that without ever having to lead multitudes to Christ, you could be the person with the most faith on the planet. It is possible simply because you believe that you can't you're fully convinced that you can't. Facing the facts that you can't. Facing, I love that. Faith isn't denying the facts. You know, you know the story of the, you might have heard the story. Uh, Robert Schuller, positive thinker, kind of school of thought, name it, claim it, and frame it. Baptist, Methodist, die. They go to hell. Wake up in hell. No way. Methodist guy says, I don't believe in hell. You know, that's philosophical stuff. This, this, this can't possibly be happening. This, but here we are. Baptist guy says, well, hell's eternal and this is hot and I was warned not to go here. How did I get you? Well, maybe I, maybe I didn't read the Bible enough. Maybe I didn't pray enough. Name it, claim it, frame it guy saying, it's not hot, I'm not here. It's not hot and I'm not here. Well, listen, let me tell you, facing the fact that his body was as good as dead. Faith isn't denial, friends. And I've heard many people say that. Well, don't confess that over your life. Now, don't confess it over your life, but face the fact that sometimes things are not going the way that you think they could. Face the fact. Don't deny the fact. But God. But God. So, so, so may, maybe we should say, okay, things are not perfect. Maybe we should say, hey, the country's not flourishing. But then we can say, but God. 
Maybe you could say, my kids are away from God. They're not doing so well. But God. Maybe we could say, well, my wallet is empty. Every time I open it, the moths fly out. But God. Because he has said, and that's okay. He's got this. Friends, I want to remind you of a fact. The day that God panics, then you can panic. Until then, don't bother, he's got it. When he starts chewing his nails, we know we're in trouble. But until then, he's got it. He's got it. He's got you in the palm of his hand. And that's righteousness. Righteousness means I can't, but God can. Done. You're a righteous person. I can't save myself, but Jesus has. That's righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's his righteousness imputed to me. Incredible. Do you know nothing depends on you? Nothing. All that you have to do is believe that he died for you and you are saved. It's as simple as that. Friends, we shouldn't complicate the Bible. Look, I love the intricacies of Scripture. Let me tell you, I love deep diving in and unpacking it. But the difference between a teacher and a lecturer, you know what the te- difference is, eh? A teacher is somebody who takes something really difficult and makes it really easy. And a lecturer is someone who takes something very easy and makes it very difficult. Now, I love the intricacies of Scripture, but I, I want to say, unless it becomes really, really easy, we've missed it. See, the Bible is multi-layered. It's multi-layered. But when you get to the bottom Basic most foundation of scripture is, this is easy. It's easy. God has done the impossible for you. When you read it at face value, you look at this and you say, it's impossible. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I get overwhelmed by scripture. I'm reading it and I say, God, I can never live up to this. I can never. Your standard is here. Your standard of holiness, your standard of purity, your standard of separation, your standard of glory is here, but is absolutely impossible. But God, I get overwhelmed sometimes when I read Scripture and I say, I, I, could, I, I know Scripture, but I, I, could, I could never possibly apply all of it. I can't. You can't either. But God, facing the fact that we are overwhelmed sometimes in our spiritual life, but God. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're going to go through life plain sailing? No. It means that you might get to the age of 100 and still not be living in the promises of God. That's exactly what Abraham did. But in his mind, he was already there. He owned the earth. The Bible said that he would be the, him and his descendants would be the heirs of the whole world. And yet at age 100, he was still living in a tent. Owned no property except the grave that he bought that he'd be buried in. That's not a lot of real estate that he owned. Most of us here are doing better than he did. But then he believed. Now, Abraham was a wealthy guy. He amassed a whole bunch of animals, livestock, and even an army, and a whole bunch of things, but he never owned a piece of land. It's amazing that, eh? Lived like an alien and a stranger on earth. All right. 
Verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Was strengthened in his faith. God give us strength in our faith and gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us. Are you a us? I'm an us. It was written for us. To whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him and raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Jesus. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Okay, so I've got 10 points. I won't go through them all. I want to talk about multiplication. Abraham was one when God found him. One's not a majority except in the hands of God. All right, so let's break this down quickly. Verse 16, number one, Abraham's promises are through faith. Faith is the vehicle. God's promises are delivered by a vehicle. Faith is the vehicle. Maybe you phone, pick and pay 60. You get your groceries delivered in a little chicken 60, whatever. I don't know. It just arrives at the doorstep. A little motorbike comes, cronky little motorbike. Gee, man, the guy who delivered stuff over the weekend, his car had one headlight that was still in the car. I don't know if it worked. But the rest of the car was falling apart. He climbed out of the door, and I, it was like I was looking at this door, and I thought, this door is going to fall off before it's open. And I climb over the door. And my, anyway, it looked like it was opening more like that than it was opening like that. And I thought, how is that car even on the road? But anyway, he delivered the groceries. Sometimes faith is the vehicle. You don't really, really know how this thing's going to work and if it's going to work, but faith is the vehicle. God's promises are through faith, right? Number two, hope is the fuel of faith. That's got to, got to ride on something. That says an expectation of a good outcome. Hope does not disappoint. That Romans 5 verse 5, hope does not disappoint because God has shed, brought his love in our hearts through Jesus Christ. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Abraham in a hopeless situation, had a little bit of hope. Just a glimmer is enough. Number three, you can have hope in the midst of hopelessness. What does that mean? Your car's going to run out of fuel sometime. There is hopelessness. Just refuel. Just have hope. But get up and say, today's going to be a better day than yesterday was. Thank you, Jesus. And tomorrow's going to be a better day than today is. So even if the day turns out to be rubbish, tomorrow's coming too. The sun rises over the righteous and the unrighteous. Thank you, Jesus. The sun's going to rise tomorrow. That's cool. All right, Abraham, glimmer of hope. And that's why I know that you don't need to commit suicide. And nothing's that bad that you need to consider quitting. Because no matter how tough it is right now, there is a glimmer of hope. And against all hope, the sun's coming up tomorrow. It's going to be okay. Number four, why can we believe this? Because the Bible says that the destination is guaranteed. You're going to get there. Destination. The Bible says this faith is guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, all of the children of Abraham by faith. Now, you might not be a physical descendant of Abraham, but the Bible says he's the father of us all. All of those who are of the faith of Christ. Abraham is our father. This is guaranteed, friends. It's guaranteed that what God has promised, he will fulfill. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen, okay? Good. Number five, faith 
faces fact. That's a lot of Fs. Faith faces fact. Number six, faith refuses defeat. We're not going backwards. We're not surrendering. Faith refuses defeat. Despite the fact, facing the fact, looking at the fact that his body was as good as dead, he did not give up because I cannot be defeated because God cannot be defeated. Done. Okay, number seven. In other words, we can move on to the things of God. You can't be defeated. Number seven, verse 21. Faith is a conviction that I can't, but God can. Verse 22, it is righteous, right? Number eight, what happens? The Bible says, and he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Faith worships in advance in spite of the storm. Faith worships in advance in spite of the storm. Faith thanks God in advance for the things that he's still gonna do. It's like you're trusting God for a, a new pair of shoes, okay? But you're walking bare feet. It's like sitting down in the morning and putting on your artificial shoes because they're there, they just haven't happened yet. And like you're tying the shoelaces and you're thanking God for your new shoes. That's what you're doing. You're thanking him in advance for the things he's going to do. Is it wrong to thank God for what God's going to do? Why? Because in that same scripture it says, God is the one who calls those things that be not as though they are. He calls them into being before they are, right? We're gonna get together one of these days at the prayer meeting, yeah, like a, a national day of prayer. Right here in our valley in Mulder's Drift, Angus Buckins going to lead that. Right there, we're going to call those things over our country that be not as though they are. We're going to put on our faith shoes. We're going to walk in a preferable future. We're not going to submit to what's happening now. We're going to resist that, resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen. Hallelujah. We forget that. We just glorify the devil in everything he's getting up to. No, man. We are strengthened in our faith and give glory to God for the things God's going to do. As if they are already. Now, it can be a little bit silly sometimes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get silly, right? I, some, I sometimes get into the mood of thanking God for the things that haven't been as though they are. So, what does that look like? Well, for me, it looks like this. I, I walk in here sometime, and I just thank God for the multitudes um, of every single one here that's going to be many of people who are going to get saved. And I thank God over the chairs, and I look more or less where empty chairs were sometimes, and I go and pray over those chairs and say, thank you, Father, somebody's going to get saved, he's going to sit in here, someone's going to be discipled through this church. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I, I drive up the road here, and I say, thank you, God, well, this isn't our property, but thank you for the property that is. I go walk on other properties and say, thank you, Jesus, that this could be your spot, and I see hundreds of people coming, I see thousands of people getting saved, coming to know Jesus. Being discipled, I thank you for the thousands of families that are going to be discipled, because everyone represents a family, don't they? Thank you for thousands of families that are going to get saved. Thank you that you're turning this nation upside down. Thank you for every area. And we can do that. Why? Because the Bible says every area you put your foot on, I'll give to you. doesn't mean you have it now. He says, no, I'll give it to you in future. So put your foot all over a lot of pieces of property and pray for a lot of people. That's biblical, in other words, if you've got somebody, a friend who doesn't want to give his life to the Lord, put your feet in, kick him. <laughs> Faith worships in advance in spite of the storm. And number nine, I can't but God can. That's the definition of righteousness. And I'm going to end off here. Number 10. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 says this. Anyway, I'll 
take you there. Hebrews 6 verse 17 says, it's in two things that it's impossible for God to lie in the promise and his oath. And he promised on earth to Abraham. He promised, he gave Abraham a promise, and then he sealed it with an oath. He said, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, right? So he, on earth, this is going to happen. As surely as I live, in other words, the day you can kill God is the day that that <laughs> promise will not happen. So God promised in two ways that is un- 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 impossible for God to lie. The promise and the oath. In other words, he, he promises because he keeps his oath. And an oath is, I, oh, he can't die, right? So an oath is, as surely as I live, says the Lord. Okay, so he puts those two together and he says, as surely as this is, is what it is, Abraham, it's going to happen. And that final point that I want to make is, it's a roadmap and it's called the oath. We've got the vehicle, that's faith. We've got the fuel, that's called hope. And we've got a roadmap, that's called the oath and the promise. And God cannot lie. In other words, it's going to, going to, going to, going to, going to happen. So right now, you are one. I'm going to pray multiplication over you. Because that is God's promise. And that is God's guarantee. That your life is going to be significant. You're not going to die alone and miserable. You're not going to die alone and miserable and unfruitful. But you're going to fully accomplish the purpose for which God put you on this planet. That is by faith. It is a promise and it is done on earth. Jesus paid the price for it. In faith, we're going to walk into our righteousness, we're going to walk into our victory, we're going to walk into our multiplication, and we're going to live the life that God requires for us to live, and that glorifies God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. No, we're going to please God in every way. Why? We're going to believe that He is faithful to His promise. He's going to multiply you. Right. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over my friends here. I pray over myself. Included. Multiplication, Lord. Thank you that our descendants will be the heirs of the earth. We will walk, Father, in the promise and in the oath that you have sworn over us. We will walk in righteousness because it's already been accomplished. We will walk in the deliverance because it's already been done. We will walk in in, in holiness because it's already been done for us, Father. By you, Jesus, not by ourselves. We can try, but we will die by our own efforts and our own dead bodies. But you, Lord, You resurrect that which is dead. You're resurrecting today. You're resurrecting dead dreams, dead ambitions, dead desires, dead promises, dead prophetic messages. You're resurrecting those, Father, because your promises, yes and amen, and is guaranteed to everybody who believes. In Jesus' name, thank you for fulfillment. Thank you for fullness. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for power. Thank you for life. Father, for every evangelist that's out there that hasn't led anybody to Christ yet, I pray, Father, for multitudes. For every teacher that hasn't reproduced the gift in others, I pray for multitudes. I pray for multitudes, multiplication. For every prophet, Lord, that is sitting on prophetic words, Lord Jesus, may they be multiplied in Jesus' name. I pray for, for open mouths to speak. Father, in Jesus' name. The same with all the shepherds who haven't shepherded anybody. May they start shepherding in Jesus' name. Pray for multiplication. Thank you, Father. For all the apostles and church planters and those who are supposed to oversee. May they start overseeing in Jesus' name. May they start going. Pray for multiplication. Thank you, Father. And then I'm reminded that Abraham was called to a place where he did not know where he was going. 
but he was obedient and went anyway because he considered him faithful who made the promise. Help us to step out in faith. In Jesus' name. Amen, friends. Bless you. Have a fantastic day.